And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharba and Patrick Mooney, fresh off a Weekend salvaged, uh, salvaged by the Cubs. There, it's always look if you're gonna if you're gonna take one of three, make sure it's the Sunday game. I was gonna say you love this, don't you, Brett? You're in a much oh. better mood than if they I, lost that dude, Sunday game. If they won on Friday, and then they had the other two games, Saturday and Sunday, and then today is an off day. Oh, god, that intro would have been, "Hey, folks, welcome into this <laughs> GD podcast about the GD Cubs." I am Brett angry Taylor. Uh, no, I like, and I don't get me wrong. That's all just narrative and the emotional tug of the way sports are because the series happened how it happened. And like, if it's, it was terrible. I mean, there's no, I'm not trying to spin it as if it was a good series for the Cubs. It's just that it was nice, a nice win there on Sunday to avoid the sweep, to see Marcus Stroman be Marcus Stroman, to see the bullpen continuing to, or especially the guys who matter most in the bullpen, uh, getting strikeouts when they needed to get strikeouts. Uh, defense was much more capable on Sunday. The bats, of course, left some things to be desired, but you're facing Corbin Burns. Like, that's just, I don't know. I can dismiss that pretty easily. And so uh, that's that's kind of how I left that series. And we can talk about any or all of those things. But I, I just a stray note. So Eric Lauer is like a Cy Young candidate now. Yeah. When the hell? When <laughs> it's the hell so funny that, that you brought that up. I was I was thinking the same thing. It's like, what about Eric Lauer? Why well, dismiss the Corbin Burns outing? But now he, I, I suppose, guess he just dismissed the well, Eric Lauer outing because yeah. he's a god now. When did this? Well, happen? I saw the I saw some stats I think before the start that were like going back to June whatever last year he was you know and had really good results. But I kind of. I, I I acknowledged in my head, I'm like, oh, okay, so he's performed pretty well. Great, cool, whatever. Then I watched him, and I'm like, what the f- <laughs> Like, he's elevating his four-seamer just incredibly. He's wiping guys out. I'm like, who? How? Wh- what? <laughs> so, yeah, apparently, yeah. Not like that. I mean, he was a cast <laughs> off from the Padres. He was he was like the fourth piece in that trade. Now, granted, they wouldn't have said that internally. They were probably like, "Oh, giggity, we know how to rework this guy." But even after he arrived, like as I recall, it's been two years now. He was just sort of like a you know up down. He was one of those Brewers guys who like starts some, is a bulk guy sometimes, is kind of decent for matchups, but like. I mean, clearly they had a roadmap for this guy because holy crap. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Josh Hader was sort of an afterthought. And I mean, Burns and Woodruff weren't like first round picks. And every year we kind of downplayed the Brewers. They didn't do that much. So you just said they had the roadmap. 
So, I mean, the Brewers. Yeah, you're good. You're right. Yeah, you're they right. clearly have something figured out with pitching. Uh, they, they, they are, they're smart in their acquisitions there. They seem to know how to maximize guys. And, and as long as guys can take to their coaching and, and they, they seem to really be able to find ways to get guys who may have otherwise been middle of the road pitchers to, to thrive in their system. I mean, that's good for them. That's it's impressive. Like, I mean, I've talked about it many times in this podcast. I, I underrate the Brewers every year. I've, I'm going to, I've stopped doing that. I just assume that their pitching is going to be great and wonder if their offense is going to be good enough, but man, they got a steal in Willie Adamas too. Like he looks like yeah. a, he's not just like a, he looked like a stopgap type player at one point, And now he looks like a legitimate all-star. Well, and it doesn't hurt when Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain, no matter how terrible things have turned for them in recent years at any given time, they will absolutely obliterate the Cubs. Yelich, <laughs> because his power suddenly returns after disappearing for, for so set. long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just all of a sudden is exploding the ball. And then Cain is just, I swear to God, he always comes up with like two outs, a runner on second, and he like dunks one in perfectly, or he like beats out that double play ball. It just, anyway. So we've done enough praising of the Brewers. I, uh, I guess the last comment I was going to make is that I had been so focused over the years on their exceptional deployment of pitching, like the way they use guys has always impressed me. And I've been wanting the Cubs to kind of duplicate some of those things, which they, they are now, I would argue they're, they're, the way they're coordinating pitchers, I think they have really improved on that. But you're right. I wasn't giving them enough credit for developing some guys who weren't thought of as front end guys necessarily. And then they've brought them into that. So whatever. Go Brewers. whoop de freaking do. Uh, <laughs> but about the Cubs. But more about the Cubs. Uh, so let's talk. I guess maybe we'll just naturally switch to some Cubs pitching stuff. Uh, it was really nice to see Marcus Stroman there on his birthday, pitching and getting the results of like the the best version of him. You know, when he if he gets ahead, he can be aggressive in attack and he can get those strikeouts early in the count. He's just got that late downward movement that generates so many ground balls. Um, he fills up the zone, like every corner of the zone. He's throwing four pitches with a really high frequency. You, I don't know that we ever described him as like a pitchability guy. I don't know if you hear that in relation to him, but the more I see him in a way that I'm like observing him much more closely now that he's with the Cubs, that that is what it feels like. And I and I mean that in a completely complimentary way because he, you know, he still can throw 92 or whatever, but he just, he's just so craft oriented. And I'm really enjoying seeing that, especially an outing like yesterday. Yeah, I, I mean, yesterday's outing, I feel, is huge for a guy like him. He really, I mean, he was sinker slider, uh, and we finally saw what, you know, we've known is there but haven't really seen with the cubs and and obviously it, like as you said brett it, it leaves a good taste in your mouth having that sunday win uh for the cubs and they it just came at a huge time for him for the team uh it just felt like they need they couldn't go too far down this is one of those times where it's like okay how far down are you gonna get here is this gonna is this gonna be really ugly uh to where they're a clear bottom 5-10 team in the league or can they kind of you know tread water for a little bit and having Stroman be this type of pitcher gives them a chance right to be 
a middle of the pack team. I, I still <laughs> this past week, 10 days has uh, brought about a lot of concerns overall. But seeing Stroman get right uh, and just really finally start locating pitches down in the zone, get he even got a decent amount of swing and miss. There was just I didn't. I don't remember seeing much hard contact at all. Uh, there were a lot of ground balls at, and, you know, early on, I think some key double plays, but that was just a huge, huge outing for him. And, uh, you know, I've said this before. I haven't watched a ton of him. So I'm curious, is he the type of guy that once he's locked in, are we going to see a run here? Uh, I know he feels that way about his mechanics when they're locked in. He can he can kind of carry it through and, and really uh when he feels right it, it things are going to go well for him and uh obviously yesterday he was as good as it gets you know i really wish this game happened on friday that we could have gotten the full brett experience <laughs> like i think we're just talking around the obvious here we're that gonna the get, cubs have we're gonna won get plenty of one series since the opening day weekend and that there is no clear path unless Stroman and Hendricks and the rest of the rotation absolutely finds another gear. There's no chance of this turning around. I mean, they've already wasted one month in terms of uh, kind of the, this very narrow path towards them being relevant and Jed's front office not blowing it up at the trade deadline. And, you know, I think you wrote about it today, Brad, of like, David Robertson is awesome. <laughs> which team is going to trade for him? Like we're already kind of in that mindset here. And I just think it's, um, you kind of pay for what you get here. And, and the Cubs have been kind of underfunded at the major league level. And I think you're seeing it now. There's just not a whole lot outside of the bullpen, which requires certain game situations or, you know, guys in front of them performing or around them to make it relevant. Um, there's just not enough there on a night-in, night-out basis to think that this team is going to um, turn it around. And that's kind of what we all thought in spring training, but you have to let things play out. And all of a sudden here, I feel like that <laughs> end of April into early May, White Sox series coming up, uh, coming off of a Brewers series, I think you kind of see where the Cubs are at, how good the Brewers are, and that the Cardinals are always – pretty good you know year in year out i just don't see where um the cubs go from here in terms of like a positive direction and not writing off the rest of this season yeah i think the way you would frame it is that no one series in baseball tells you the whole story i mean you'd be a fool to take too much away from one series but what this series did do is kind of put a, a, a cap for the month on the things that we saw in April, the things that we were concerned about coming into April, and the things that we don't necessarily have a great reason to believe are going to change in May. And I think the, your, your point about that the Cubs have sort of, again, it feels so antagonistic to say it this way, but, but it's true. You know, they, they have frittered away the first month. And by that, I take Patrick to mean, and I mean, the Cubs only had two, two and a half months to, to get good results, whatever it looked like, right? Like to, to just accumulate wins, to be able to justify a July that looks a certain way, an early August that looks a certain way, that doesn't involve guys like David Robertson, if he's pitching really well, 
being on the trade block. And and I think for so far, one month, I guess it's not quite a full month, but for one month, the Cubs have not done what they would have needed to do to stave that off. And that's just a fact. Now, the second half of that is you look ahead and you're like, okay, but what what have we seen that could tell us that things will be different in May? And unfortunately, it feels more like what we've seen are some confirmations of the concerns. You know, we we are starting to see the big adjustment period for say a Suzuki. You know, it it took it took a couple of weeks, uh, so that was maybe a little atypical, but it comes. It just it always comes. And I, I'm I'm sorry to any fans, including myself, that we let the elation get to us. It was enjoyable while it lasted, but this always comes. It just does, and. None of the, well, excuse me, not none. We aren't seeing the kind of continuation from last year of of certain guys, their performance last year that you're like, okay, give them some runway. Let's see what happens. We're not really seeing that. And I don't know that there's a great reason to project a huge turn for Rafael Ortega and Frank Schwindel. And Patrick Wisdom is at least maybe stabilizing himself as a, a regular starter. But keep in mind with him, we always said that he was maybe the most likely because he has defensive value at third base. It's a little easier for him to justify his his existence, so to speak. Uh, the outfield, other than Ian Happ, who has looked really good, and say Suzuki's in that adjustment period, the center field mix just isn't working. It's you know there's there's not really much you would take away from that and say, cool, this is going to go much better in May. And obviously the infield, yeah, I, we love. I don't no, want to don't pick you, okay, Don't you okay, slide in on me? What is the matter with you? <laughs> I'm going through every position. I'm going to say every my position. Piece. Oh, jeez, every Fine. position. God, you want to say something? Go. Well, I don't want to pick on him, but there's been a lot of call for, to play Michael Hermosillo more, and every single time he's out there in the outfield, it he's supposedly the best defensive center fielder, and he's the one making critical mistakes over and over defensively and swinging and missing. You want to talk about bad trends. The Cubs offense is chasing and swinging and missing a ton more the past week. And Michael Hermosillo, whenever he's in the lineup, is doing all of that and adding to bad defense. It's, I mean, it critical times, game-changing moments where, oh, the Cubs are close in this one. Oh, this game's over now because of a critical mistake in center field. The defense has gone south. The offense has gone south. I mean, Patrick's right. <laughs> There's not much to cling to. My... My point was with the Stroman thing is like if they're going to turn things around, that's the type of stuff you need. Stroman, Hendricks, Wade Miley to get healthy, and then that first week of the offense to show up again because and that's I mean it's just not there. I mean there's I listed way too many things that need to go right uh, for this to to get back on the rails. Uh, there was a glimmer of hope on Sunday. That type of win is what they were looking for i got in a debate this weekend early on in the weekend uh a friend from high school tweeted something about how the offense is awful how can you expect them to win because of this offense 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 and i was like you know it's not really on the offense it's on the starting pitching and then someone else got in to our back and forth and my friend was like yeah you know what you're right the offense has statistically looked fine they just aren't putting up enough runs i'm like this is a deeply flawed team i'm not defending them i'm just saying you can't put it all on the offense the pitch, the starting pitching is my main concern. And this other guy was like, I don't know. I think the starting pitching has been good enough. He said they've given up five runs or less in five of the seven losses. And I'm like, now that's the goal to give up five runs or less. Like, that's not enough. That's not good enough. How many leads have they blown? 
And then by Saturday night, he, he was tweeting me. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's just all bad. Maybe maybe we don't need to quibble <laughs> over this unit or that unit. Maybe none of it is working out. How about we just come to that conclusion instead of debating which unit is at fault? It's just overall not good enough. I'd like our producer, Michael, to make this a recurring segment of Zahadev's Twitter fights with random dudes <laughs> from high school. I think there'd be a lot of material we could mine off of that. Um, and yeah, I was like... I looked this up the other night, kind of went down the uh, rabbit hole. Of, this is not a rebuild. The Cubs say this is not a rebuild. It's nothing like 2012. Well, here the Cubs are now through 22 games, five and a half games out of first place. The 2012 Cubs uh, at the end of business, April 30th, 23 games in, six and a half games out of first place. And that was a team that had some pretty good starting pitchers who were performing pretty well, like I don't know, seeing the Brewers, their recent history, the pitching they have, like, were the Cubs going to leapfrog the Cardinals and make up that much ground? And like Brett's saying, they only had a couple months to do that, and one is kind of off the board here. I... Should we just discuss what they can get for Robertson then? <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> doing that twice? twice. Sending that out on our MLB Slack channel, like, if the team you cover needs a catcher, a lockdown closer, a seventh and eighth inning reliever, you know, uh, then we can start crowdsourcing trade possibility. We're pretty close to that point, I think, Sade. I do often think about it as it relates to the podcast, but also our content creation schedules. I'm like, okay, no, it's May. I cannot get into that. Not because people wouldn't have the appetite for it now. I guarantee they would. But not for three months. It's like, no, I just cannot do that for three months to myself, if nothing else. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One thing I want to touch on from what Sahadev was saying, your, your slide in actually was effective because you slid in on a point that I wanted to touch on more broadly than Michael Hermosillo, but that he is an example of it. The Cubs came into this season among a million other objectives. Competitiveness is one, but a big one was an eye toward 2023 and when you're talking about April and May, there's very little that you can actually do that is focused on next season because it's early. You know, there's just not a lot you can actually accomplish. But one of the things that you can is giving runway to guys who might be part of that next year's team. And the the issue I am finding that that sounds decent in theory when you're talking about it in you know February and March, like oh you know give a couple months to to these guys and see where things stand. But 
the when you are actually seeing it play out in practice and you start talking about roster crunches, you start talking about guys like Alfonso Rivas who you want to play more regularly because he's maybe showing something, you you start to come to the conclusion that the Cubs are probably going to have to make decisions on some of these guys before this sample size is large enough to really justify, you know, a, a pro or con decision. And that that kind of sucks from an analytical perspective because you hate the idea of like giving a guy 30 plate appearances and saying, you haven't shown much. You haven't shown much of the plate. You haven't shown much in the field. We got to transition those to someone else. But if for as much as you might want a larger sample size to make a decision, there are only so many games. There's only so much time on the calendar to do that. And so I think, you know, we'll talk for a moment about rosters uh, are shrinking down as we speak. But I think I personally, I'll speak for myself, I underestimated the volume of guys that I'm talking about that fall into that category of like, oh, just give them a couple months and see where things stand. And the limitations of space to actually make that happen, especially while you're trying to compete and trying not to do the thing that we were talking about that the Cubs have done so far. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any side points on that because we can transition into the, the roster talk for a moment. But I find myself getting close to the point where I'm like, okay. And it's not just Michael Hermosillo. It's not like, oh, you know, you got a cup eight on him. It's other experimental type things like Justin Steele in the rotation, as opposed to Justin Steele getting multi-inning appearances. At some point, you you may have to make a decision on that stuff sooner than you would in an ideal world. I, yeah. that I mean, it's, it's true. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Steele... If Steele's out of the rotation and you bring White Wade Miley in, if you eventually get Alec Mills in there, I mean, this is we've talked about it before, but you want four contact oriented guys with the way the defense has. I mean, it was a perfectly fine defense for about 10 days there and, and the holes are starting to show here. They're not they're not making the same plays that they were. And and. It's just it could get ugly. That's <laughs> that's mostly what I think. Not that Steele's done enough to to prove that he should stick there. It's just that he's one of the few guys that can miss bats on any consistent basis. And it's just really gonna. It's th- this rotation overall. I coming into the season before the May, My, Miley injury, the rotation in the off season was a, something that I felt they did a good job of making sure it's better than entering last year. That was a critical issue last year and sunk them. Like, they had no shot because of that rotation. And this year, it looks better on paper. It hasn't been better yet. And that's going that's going to cost them big time. And now when you don't have... I mean, Simmons is gone for how long? We, we don't know what's up with Simmons. Not having him there to really help that defense and move pieces around on the infield is going to cost them even more games, I think, because you just can't survive with this contact-oriented defense, I mean, contact-oriented uh, rotation. And as good as Nico Horner has looked, hes I don't think he's elite at short, which makes it really hard when you don't have an elite piece on defense on the infield with this type of rotation. I, I'm curious to see like what the Cubs take away from this season in terms of, like, you know, we were once told every season is sacred. And like, if it's that sacred, we probably wouldn't have had just guys up and down the roster on these kind of like 
auditions from the beginning of the season for a team uh, with the stature and resources of the Cubs. And when we're talking about back of the rotation, most of the outfield, most of the infield, like, let's see what we have in the middle innings with some of these homegrown pitchers. Like, that's just a lot to kind of leave up to. Let's see what happens. And, you know, something that it was mentioned to me was like, you know, there's a reason why guys like Javi and, you know, Rizzo didn't get as much money, but what those guys get paid because it's hard to find guys who can play 150 games. That means to stay healthy, to put up numbers, to uh, kind of grind through those slumps, to be able to hit different types of pitching. And, you know, you see it with Say. I mean, he's going through this adjustment period, but I think everyone, he's passing everyone's eye test of like, okay, you know, competent major league everyday guys are not that easy to find and cost a lot of money. Like, and if you're not taking them at the top of the draft, like you've got to go out and get them, trade for them, sign them, whatever. And, you know, maybe there are those guys percolating in the lower levels of the minors for the Cubs. That's clearly where they seem to be betting on, but it's a long way until PCA and Triantos are up here doing those things. And that I do wonder if on the pitching side, they've kind of figured something out with these like Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele, like multi-inning kind of hybrid guys and that they have some sort of like kind of baseline they can work one work from with that. And that they're just going to have to go out and just get more guys who can play every day. Cause I don't, I don't think this is really working out the way they had hoped and they knew that there was like a really low probability that they were going to hit on all these guys anyways. Yeah, I think they probably would have said if you if you caught them in a moment of honesty, they probably would have said if one or two of these guys emerges as like a as a guy that we can say entering the offseason, okay, we've got this spot locked down. And I don't know, because I think yeah, maybe well, maybe maybe yeah. Yeah, maybe next offseason we're looking at a situation where Ian Happ has had a really great year. It's not like it's not like he doesn't have that ability. We've known he has that ability all along. Um, and also, just thank God he's finally situated into left field and sort of sticking in left field because I think that's he's he's very capable there as a defender. I think he just is never quite looked right in center field, and I just figure it's got to be helping him overall to have a set thing where it's like, you are the left fielder, middle of the order bat go. So, you know, maybe we're talking he's looked next good offseason. Overall yeah. I mean, well, he's always just, good when yeah. he played left field. I just, I feel like he's almost like there were plays that he made that I was like, wow, the, the guy didn't think he had that in him. In the Atlanta series, there were a couple like heading into the gap. I was like, oh, there's a double. And he, and he was there. And I just didn't, you know, I think that's part of the reason why we saw practical wisdom in center that one day. Because Ross is uh, start really wants to get Hap settled and and feel comfortable there and and that's his position and I, I think that's a good good thing to see overall. Yeah, so maybe we you know have this conversation after the season and we say okay Hap definitely a really good piece for twenty three Suzuki yeah Patrick Wisdom maybe okay cool very possible for third Nico Horner moving around great. But <laughs> then the conversation ends, you know, and it's 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 like Patrick said, it's very it, then it's a lot harder to see. And it's just going to take some transactions, both uh, just spending some cash and maybe making some thoughtful trades. You know, it's been a long time since the Cubs have acquired uh, pitching or 
positional, you know, a guy who's got three years of control left or whatever, you know, where it's like, okay, that's a good old fashioned baseball trade. And it makes sense. And we see other teams do it routinely and it's just not something that the Cubs have done. And so the point there being, I can still see, and I'll be banging this drum all year. You guys will get so annoyed. I can see this team being competitive in 2023. Like, I don't think that path is that difficult or unrealistic. Um, but I think it's going to require a a commitment to that season that is maybe a little different than what the commitment to this season looked like in the offseason, which circles back to to what set up this conversation, which was there were a lot of auditions f- this year that were that was a good word. It's a good word, Patrick. Auditions for this year that were set up. And I think I still think they were reasonable to do that because there were so many holes once the front office decided to allow the 2021 cliff to arrive and then walk off of it. There was only so much that could be done this off season. And, and I will, I will make that argument as much as I can. And I understand why people are pissed that the Cubs didn't spend more this off season and whatever, whatever fine. But would it really have made a difference? Probably not. And would it have set them up any better for 2023? Not necessarily. So I don't really have a beef with the way things have been approached this year, given what happened in 2021. You can beef with that part all you want. That's fine. So anyway, as we talk about this audition stuff, um, let's let's wrap with a quick note on the roster deadline stuff, uh, because it, it's, it is related to this. Um, the Cubs, well, so around baseball, for those that don't know, Rosters are shrinking from 28 to 26 on the active roster as of today, Monday. Uh, by the end of today, when when you play your game, you got to be down. And uh, the Cubs made their moves after the game yesterday because they are off today. And uh, it was just logistically easier for them to go ahead and make the moves because they were pretty painless as far as roster cuts go. They Ethan, Ethan Roberts goes on the injured list with hopefully some minor shoulder inflammation. And Locke St. John, who had just come up for the series, heads back to Iowa. Really easy maneuvering for the Cubs. Not every organization is going to have it quite that easy because you might not have optionable guys. You're going to see some DFAs. You're going to see some potential trades at the margins. And for the Cubs, the positional guys we've talked about, they all survived this one. You know, they're all still around. That may not last the month. Um, there's going to be pitching needs that emerge that are again, going to gonna stretch at the margins of what the Cubs can do. There may be interesting other positional guys who hit the waiver wire that the Cubs are like, oh, this is an opportunity. And I mention all of this in relation to my whole point about this year being an audition and 2023, whatever. The Cubs are still in that mode, which means if someone pops up on the waiver wire that they're like, oh, that's maybe a guy who could, you know, has a 5% chance as emerging as a regular for next year. They're going to take that chance and and it might be time to punt someone else off the roster because you just slightly prefer that opportunity. So stay tuned, I guess, is my point on that throughout this month. It's going to be it's a little unusual for May. You don't usually see those kinds of opportunities popping up. Um, And I am sorry in advance for what the actual performance of the team will look like, because I'm not sure it will be consonant with the the hopeful long term improvement. Uh, So. That's my final final thought there. You, this this is the whip around. It's the end. Of, you've been warned that this will happen sometimes. Mooney does a little <laughs> fist pump. He's ready. He's got something locked. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
keep keep looking at those uh, minor league box scores. That's that's <laughs> all I got for you, Cubs fans, hey, right now. S- legit, the last two weeks have been really good. The pitching started out great on the minor league side. I'm just yeah. giving people the ten thousand foot. But the last two weeks or so on the positional side, there have been it's some starting to turn, and and really that happens. I mean, hitting always takes a little bit with the timing, and you know they 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 may have some really good players there. Let's let's wait till they get beyond high A. But hey, there's I'm 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 watching those PCA box scores, make, making sure PCA has another two hits every night, and uh, that's <laughs> you got you got to hope that that guy's Roman center field. As soon as possible for this organization. Otherwise, it's going to be rough. Uh, hey, Caleb Killian's in AAA, too, and he's really good, too. So that, that KB trade wasn't so awful. So maybe we get maybe we get that by my by August and, and, and he saves the saves the outlook for 2023. Canario has been the hottest hitter in the organization yeah. the last two weeks. So there's the other KB piece. Just saying. Right. Brad, I liked your kind of stray thought on Twitter regarding Nick Madrigal and you just mentioned kind of the Cubs haven't done one of those old-fashioned baseball trades and it's kind of what the Kimbrel trade was and we're kind of waiting to see what happens with Madrigal obviously Cody Hoyer is recovering from Tommy John surgery Kimbrel's uh, out and closing at, at Dodger Stadium and I'm sure we'll have some sort of Cubs Sox trade Rehash, but I thought it was a good thought about Nick Madrigal. And I was kind of surprised when I, I read that from you. I was like, that was not even on my radar because this has become such a low-pressure environment around the Cubs. It's just like, hey, we're just going to give these guys lots of time and lots of runway. But to your point, you know, they sent down Kyle Schwarber after he was the hero in the World Series. And I realized between that and Ian Happ, there was kind of larger – message sending ramifications uh, i think uh but i do think it's an interesting discussion to have of like at what point do you tell magical you know you missed last season you didn't spend a lot of time in the minors like at, at what point i guess it would require simmons getting healthy and kind of other things to fall into place but i thought it was a good good question a good thought to have of you know what does he have to prove, and at, and at what point does the sample size become large enough to where you do consider that? Because the vibe I had gotten all throughout was just kind of penciling Nick Madrigal until as long as he's healthy for the whole year. But I don't know if that's, you know, in, in a vacuum. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's the greatest idea. And I'm not saying anything about Madrigal in particular. Just like, is that a really healthy, competitive environment that you want to foster? in your clubhouse. And I think with this roster squeeze, maybe it's not this one, um, but at some point they've got to think about it. Right. Yeah. I think that that is about the size of it. It's not a shot at Madrigal. It's not a comment on that. He's had enough of a sample. It's just an acknowledgement that I think a lot of us, when that trade happened, he had only had success in the big leagues. And so you're sort of like, it's just our default mode is like, oh yeah, well he's the second baseman now, and so you sort of, he's an he's an established big leaguer, da 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 da. But then, only in a moment like this, do you, where you take a step back and you're like, wait, you know, he hasn't played that many big league games. He barely spent any time at AAA. He missed more than half a season last year with a major injury. It it really wouldn't be that crazy that like, okay, you know, we we're gonna need you to work on something. We want to give VR some time at second base whatever it is. 
Um, I don't think we're there yet. And, and, you know, this is a whole separate topic, but I think that it does go to the points that we're making about the decisions the Cubs have to make over the next month about what, what are their goals and how do they achieve them in relation to, to the many auditions, to the thoughts about how do you maximize Madrigal's development? Because of course he should be a critical part of the 2023 team. Um, but you got to figure out the way to do that. So a uh, good, good closing point there. And for me, essentially, but uh, you'll get the dap Mooney. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, I'll be writing about it at some point. So you'll get the, uh, get the credit on that one too. So you know. <laughs> as, as Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation said, Nick Madrigal sucks. And he needs to, <laughs> no, Mooney died. I didn't say that. Come on. Uh, all right. Thank you, folks, for listening. This is Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. Uh, like I said, you can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. I don't know. It's not like I don't know your name. I don't think I've ever misspoken that. Uh, Sahadev Sharma at, uh, at The Athletic also. Get their stuff there. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends, telling your mom, and having yourself a great week. We will be back at you on Thursday. So take care, my friends. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.